0: Welcome to Motherhood on Tap, the podcast for mamas who laugh their way through the struggles of parenting. I'm Sarah Duncan. And I'm Pamela Walker-Dees. Hey, girl. Hey! Uh, This intro was preceded by like half an hour of us just being like, girl, it's been a day. Monday suck. But... We won't rehash all that right now, but we mm. are very happy that we have alcohol in front of us.
1: Yes! So tell us about this lovely beverage. I brought over a sparkling blackberry um, Izzy drink, mm-hmm. as well as... Oh, shoot. What was the name of that vodka? I don't know. It wasn't looking. It was in a blue bottle. I it came in a little tiny blue airplane bottle. Blue airplane bottle. It's... It's... Vodka smooth because it's seven times distilled. I feel like to like start with a P, but I could be making that up. I, mm. I throw the bottle away, and uh, then we mixed in a little bit of apple juice because it wasn't quite enough juice for our alcohol ratio. So it's a it's a fruity drink.
0: About to say we are all about the details. The Food Network's going to be calling us any day now to be beverage experts. I
1: have all of these recipes on Pinterest, and I'm like, I can make that, and I can make that, and then I start up with like simple syrup and all this stuff. the crap.
0: Mm-mm. I'm all about stuff that you already have in your cabinet, mm-hmm. like, and I'm like that way for cooking too. Like, I'm not gonna go buy this specialty stuff for one recipe. I'm like, all right, what's something I can make with pasta and potato chips?
1: Gotcha. <laughs> Girl, cheers, cheers. Tink. Mm. Oh, that's good. <sighs> Do we have good craps from the internet? We do. I have a couple. One is is kind of funny. So what do you do if you're trying to pretend to be the sheriff and the actual sheriff pulls you over?
0: Uh, I'm not good at thinking on my feet, so clearly I would be in trouble.
1: So that happened in Detroit, of all places. I mean, surprise, it happened in Detroit. That's like
0: a, like a sitcom moment.
1: Yeah. Uh, The headline is, I'm the sheriff. Detroit area lawman stops phony cop car. (laughs) Um, A man driving what appeared to be a police car didn't fool a suspicious sheriff in suburban Detroit. Oakland County Sheriff Mike uh, Bouchard said he was driving away from a meeting Thursday when he spotted a vehicle with a police style with police style bumpers, an array of lights on the back and a decal that read emergency response. Mm -hmm. So let this be a lesson to some people who might get, who might think it's a cop car, but it's not. Bouchard activated his emergency lights and stopped the vehicle. He said there was a fake radar on the dashboard and a police-style computer. He also discovered a loaded gun and a large knife.
0: Oh, snap. Yeah. I wonder if he was licensed for
1: that. He looks at me and says, Who are you? And I said, I'm the sheriff. Who are you? Bouchard told the local TV station. The man was arrested. Charges are pending because if you don't know, it's illegal to impersonate an officer it's of the law. So very illegal. Like felony illegal. Yeah, it's not good. Not it's, good, Bob. It's not good, Bob, especially when you have a loaded gun and a large knife. We we'll just
0: pile those charges up on top of each other.
1: Sounds like you got some intentions in that car. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to run down what he was doing with this vehicle or if he stopped anyone in the past. The sheriff said he initially said that sometimes he helps police. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so there's that one. That's... Yeah,
0: can you get more vague? I, I assist the law. Um.
1: Yeah, how? How? So, this week for us, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it's Valentine's week. Woo-hoo! So, I have uh, carefully went and found some Valentine's Day facts from History Channel.
0: Nice. Oh, side note, if anyone's wondering, what are those weird noises in the background? I'm, nur- I'm nursing baby boy right now, so you might hear random... Yes. <coughs> She's breastfeeding at the moment. Uh-huh.
1: Before I start downing the alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're that comfortable with each other that I'll I'm see. just sitting here watching you with your boob out. There, there's my boob. There's your boob. Hi, <laughs> right, the baby. So Saint Valentine's Valentine. Saint Valentine's Day. Okay. Saint Valentine's Day. Yeah. As yo. we say in Joko. Saint Valentine's. All right. On the History Channel's page, they have nine facts about Valentine's Day. So the first one, it has origins to a bloody pagan festival.
0: Oh, fine. Everything starts with a good, bloody pagan festival.
1: (laughs) Some traces of Valentine's Day origins to a Christian effort to replace a pagan fertility festival that has been dated as far back as the 6th century BC.
0: I feel like that's the case with a lot of modern Christian holidays. Pretty much. Pretty like much. let's just
1: see if we can overlap this with that. Well, that was their way of being able to convert. Exactly is making them feel like they were. We're
0: going fishing for pagans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real men <remember> with gift giving holidays. <laughs> I'm doing my Masso. lasso.
0: It's good. It's good.
1: <laughs> all right, during um the festival of Looper Lu- Salia. Roman priests would sacrifice goats and dogs, I'm sorry, oh, poor and, babies. and use their blood-soaked hides, I'm sorry, to slap women on the streets <laughs> as a fertility blessing.
0: What? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, so they would sacrifice the goats and dogs, skin them. And they take their bloody hides and they would slap women, I guess, randomly on the streets. Um, Women would later put their names in an urn and be selected to be paired with a man for a year.
0: Clearly women did not come up with this
1: tradition. (laughs) Any freaking part of it. (laughs) You're gonna slap me with what? <laughs> You're gonna slap me with a bloody hide. I guess because of women's menstrual cycles, they thought the blood would hit them. And it, I mean, it's a fertility spell. I mean, oh, fertility festival. so
0: many bloodborne pathogens.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then they're paired with a dude for just a year. I guess it's like a trial run. It, these are very short snippets. I don't have the background to all of this, so. I it, bet it's not great, Bob. I bet it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really into it, uh, but... But it is interesting. Is it, though? Is could that... You, could is, you imagine me walking down the street and all of a sudden, wham!
0: Well, it wouldn't be boring. <laughs> it would might not be fun, but it wouldn't be boring.
1: Be like, damn it, I just washed this thing. Damn it! Just washed got, this robe. Got dog blood in my eye again. Oh, oh the smell. Oh. Okay, moving it's all on. all bad. Moving on. Um, letters Addressed to Juliet. So every year, so uh, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that movie, Letters to Juliet. Uh, I haven't, but it. I've seen the statue that it's inspired from. Okay. So every year, thousands of romantics send letters addressed to Verona, Italy to Juliet, the mm-hmm. subject, of course, of Romeo and Juliet. The city marks the location of the Shakespearean tale and the later letters that reach the city are du- dutifully answered by a team of volunteers from the Juliet Club. On Valentine's Day, the club awards the oh, I don't have a great Italian so forgive me. Do it. Uh Cara Julietta, dear Juliet prize to the author of the most touching love letter. Aww. So we go we go from bloody slapping animal hides to a very sweet sentiment.
0: You want to know something that's kind of a middle ground between the two, but has to do with Juliet? Yeah. So that the courtyard by Juliet's balcony has Mm -hmm. a statue of Juliet there. Mm -hmm. And apparently someone along the way decided if you touched her right boob or something like that, that it was supposed (laughs) to be good luck. So all of the statue is equally weathered, except for that one boob, which is like super shiny from everyone constantly touching it. (laughs)
1: It's like, Why the oh, ri- this
0: was so close to being romantic. Why the right boob? I, I don't know if it's one versus the other, but you could just see that there's definitely one distinct bosom that is very regularly wiped and touched.
1: <laughs> Everyone's hand oils have like kept it have, shiny. Have kept it so shiny and protected. I all you need is a 12-year-old boy going over there. <laughs> just
0: awkwardly standing there for hours with his hand on the statue.
1: God, I have a story about my nephew, but it would embarrass the hell out of him, so I'm not going to go there.
0: No, nothing good can come from a story that starts <laughs> with, I have a story about my nephew. <laughs>
1: well, we went we went to a place that had a lot of, like, artwork and sculptures. It was like a garden. So there was lots of sculptures, and some were kind of... Nudish? Nudish. And then some of them were ladies, and he was about, like, seven, eight, and he just kind of stand there, and he's like... And he looks at my dad. Please. He looks at my dad, and he goes, "Papa, I can't figure out why I like to look at this." <laughs>
0: <laughs> aww, and I'm just he's getting... so pure of heart. I'm just like, <clears throat>
1: I'm just <laughs> aww, bless his little heart. And Sabrina's like a little toddler. I'm like, thank God she can't say anything embarrassing about it now. You needed That's a good crazy. laugh. You need a good laugh.
0: I do need a good laugh today. Thank All right. You.
1: So, box of chocolates. I found this to be really interesting, but the tradition of giving a box of candy started in the 19th century by Richard Cadbury. And if you think about it, Cadbury eggs, which most ah, people think of Easter. It really is.
0: A, everything really is a big corporate conspiracy.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I personally like a Cadbury egg. I do, too. Continue. Um, with a new technique recently established at the company to create more varieties of chocolate, Cadbury pounced on the opportunity to sell the chocolates as part of the beloved holiday. Yay! Yay! All right, so
0: who came up with the nasty? There's like one nasty one in the every chocolate-covered
1: cherry thing, or some.
0: Yeah, but it's like it's gross like a gooey cherry. cherry. <laughs> who, who came up with that, and why do they still make them? No one likes them.
1: You want to know who likes them? Who? My dad. It's because of him. <laughs> he's it's still keeping it going. going. He may not like him this year since he's like three years out from smoking. He might now that his taste buds are like actually growing back, he might be like, These things are nasty. <laughs> I have
0: standards now. <laughs>
1: um the first Valentine was written from a prison. What? Yeah. History's first Valentine was written in perhaps one of the most unromantic places conceivable. I love how the History Channel just rates this stuff. Mm -hmm. A prison. Charles, Duke of, well, as I would say it, Orléans, or Orléans, wrote the love letter to his second wife at the age of 21 while captured at the Battle of, is it Agincourt? Agincourt? Sure, sure. As a prisoner for more than 20 years, dang, he would never see his Valentine's reaction to the poem he penned to her in the early 15th century.
0: 20-
1: he didn't get to see his boo-boo. His poor bae. Oh bae. His so- old oh, bae. Old oh, bae. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes! That needs to be some kind of sitcom. Old oh, Old oh, bae. It's like people dating at the nursing home. Sorry for that padding sound in the background. I'm burping a bit.
1: I still want to make a meme now with an old bay spice book saying old bay, All bay, all bay. Hey, hey, all bay. Hey, hey, okay. <laughs> all right, here's one that's interesting. Vinegar valentines discouraged suitors. Okay, wait. more details. I'm this is this curious. is of course this is the Victorian era. Mm-hmm.
0: I they couldn't discouraged imagine everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, Those who didn't want want the attention of a certain suitor would anonymously send vinegar valentines. According to the Smithsonian, these cards were also called penny dreadfuls. Okay, I've heard that
0: term before, but I never knew what it referred to.
1: Penny dreadfuls refers to like these horror stories written. They're like very short. Little penny novels. Yeah, like penny novels kind of thing. They were the antithesis of customary valentines. Comically insulting and rejecting unwanted admirers. So, I don't think they were truly vinegar. I just think that they were called vinegar Valentines because they were. As
0: opposed to honey.
1: Yeah. So, they were later used to target suffragists in the late 19th and early 20th century. Yes. Mm -hmm. Us poor women who want to vote. So, I'm confused though. If they're anonymous,
0: how do you know who was trying to deter you? Or do you just play it safe and not give a Valentine to anybody that year? Don't
1: know. There's a hole in the system! It bothers me. <laughs> like I said, all I have is a short little paragraph. If you fill the need <laughs> I have follow up questions. <laughs> You're scaring the crap <laughs> out of your baby. Re- probably am sorry. He's somebody. like, I'm trying to drink. Why are He's you going? Like, I'm at me? trying to get a drink from the milk truck. Um, wearing your heart on your sleeve. Okay. So that term may have origins in picking a valentine. Mm -hmm. Again, the Smithsonian reports that during the Middle Ages, men would draw the names of women who they would be coupled with for the upcoming year while attending a Roman festival honoring Juno. It's kind of like an early version of a tattoo. Yeah. After choosing, the men wore the names on their sleeves to show their bond during the festivities. Oh, I my. think that's kind of sweet. That is kind of sweet. That's so much better than slapping her with a bloody hide. <laughs> I choose you. <laughs> Actually, it's the priest. The priest slaps her, and then the, then the dude like comes over, is like, "We're together."
0: This makes, that suddenly makes me think of the fish slapping song from Monty Python. Slap, 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 a
1: It would be just a smelly. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, here's one that I was like, say what when I read it? Sweethearts candy. So, you know, the little conversation hearts? Yes. They started out as lozenges.
0: Like just chalky little lozenge things.
1: Yes. So, of course. A big
0: swing and a miss right there.
1: So, the chalky heart-shaped candies that are passed out every Valentine's Day started out as throat lozenges. So, according.
0: Sorry, I hate to. No, you're good. You're good. I would think they were more along the lines of like, Tums or ants acids just based on the texture
1: of them. That's strange. Well, I'll get there. I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> According to Food Business News, a pharmacist and inventor Oliver Oliver Chase created a machine that would quickly create the lousages before switching to using the machine to create candy. Also known as have you ever heard of Neko wafers? No. Okay, so they're if you think about like Smarties, but mm-hmm. bigger and like thinner. Okay. And they come in like this wax paper. I actually like them. I'm weird. I'm not a big chocolate lover. Give me some chalky, like chewy candy any day. I'm weird. Okay. So you like sweet tarts? Oh, I know what I'm getting you for candy holidays. Um, so Chase's brother came up with the idea to print messages on the candy in 1866. That's how old this stuff is. Holy crap. And the candies got their heart shape in 1901.
0: I did see something pop up recently saying that, like, these little heart candies have been basically the same for about 100 years now. Yes. No real variation or change in them whatsoever.
1: No, but recently, as in last year, 2019, the Sweetheart brand of Conversation Hearts were suspended for a year. So if you notice, last Valentine's Day, there weren't any out there because the new company that took them over needed time to make a supply of the actual hearts for the Valentines. Mm. But I found this to be interesting because Neko wafers used to be lozenges themselves, but now they're used for candy. You mostly see them around Christmas time because people use them a lot for uh, gingerbread houses to make like the little shingles. Mm, Okay.
0: And if anyone else is wondering what the new sound effect is, baby boy is snoring near the microphone.
1: I love when babies are full and they make that snoring sound. Mm. I said Brianna before I came over here. And, um, she, I, uh, so I went to Burper and she did very similar to little Riley over there. Just,
0: oh, oh. he's definitely milk drunk right now.
1: And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So Cupid began as a Greek God. Uh-huh. Some people may know this. Some people may not. So everybody thinks of Cupid as a chubby baby with wings and a bow and arrow, um, associated with Valentine's Day. But before he was renamed Cupid... He was known to the ancient Greeks as Eros, the mm-hmm. god of love. But um, Eros, the son of Greek goddess Aphrodite, mm-hmm. would use two sets of arrows—one for love and the other for hate—to play oh, with. Snap. To play with the emotions of his targets. It wasn't until stories of his mischiefs were told by Romans that he adapted the childlike appearance that we recognize today. So they took a fat baby. I'm famous, mischievous baby. <laughs> I shoot the arrow. I shoot the arrow. <laughs> All right. And so last one. You know how when you sign when you sign a letter X and O. Uh-huh. So the X is for kiss, the O is for hug. Mm-hmm. So how did X come, came to mean kiss? Okay. The idea of using a kiss to sign off on Valentine's Day. Uh, Our Valentines also has a long history, and this is based from the Washington Post. The use of X came to represent Christianity, or also the cross. So, you take the cross and you turn it sideways. The same thing, like, when we're talking about Christmas, it's Mm -hmm. the Greek uh, letter for, or symbol for Christos. Right. Okay. In the Middle Ages... Um, During the same time, the symbol was used to sign off on documents. After marking with an X, the writer would often kiss the mark as a sign of their oath. Hmm. As the gesture grew among kings and commoners to certify books, letters, and paperwork, these records were described as having been sealed with a kiss. So that's Uh another reason. That's another phrase that comes from history. And see, when people tell me history is boring because I was a history minor in college, I'm like, listen to this stuff. It all comes... It's it's like an orb. It all comes around. The stuff
0: that they give you in school that you're like, you have to learn, it's all important, but not all of it is necessarily interesting, but when you get to like delve into the bits and pieces that you yourself are
1: interested in, it's fantastic. Well, that's why I minored in it in college, because I was like, "Uh, if I'm going to have a minor, let me have something that's fun for me nice so that's my craps good craps thank you all right let's get into our
0: topic for this week yes miss pamela ding dong
1: (laughs) Thanks. Sorry, I love I love that nickname. It makes me smile. Oh, I will only you're, you're tolerate you like, saying it. Mm-hmm. You're like that.
0: That is a choice right there. I mm-hmm. am not a ding dong. Sorry, Miss Pamela Walker D's. Well, thank you. What is our topic for this week?
1: Um, we are talking about how to be more productive. Yes,
0: and I geared my I tried to gear my research more toward. Um, in the role of as, of a mother, how can you be more productive? Although there Ooh, are like def- definitely several of these things that could overlap and apply to a work environment as well. But me being home for the last couple months, my brain is all about, okay, mm-hmm. trying to find productivity in between doing mm-hmm. mom things. Mm-hmm. So I did the back- some background information. And this time around, I was curious. I wanted to look into... Just from a social or psychological point of view, why is it so hard to be productive? I have 10 things that I kind of compiled from various sources, as well as my experience about why it's so freaking difficult to be productive when you are a mom or any kind of parent, really. Okay.
1: And I'll sit here and go, amen, amen.
0: (laughs) Yes. So first, it's difficult because kids always take first priority. Mm Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, no matter what you're doing, you live in a universe where you have to drop all of your non-emergent, non-priority items anytime your kid has an immediate need. Like, in my case, oh, crap, my baby is screaming. Oh, crap, my baby is hungry. Oh, crap, my baby just crapped. Or, oh, school just called and my toddler is sick and needs to go to the doctor. Oh, crap, my child just fell down and has injured themselves. I need to go take care of that
1: oh crap i just cleaned up all these toys and now my three-year-old decided it's time to dump them all out again exactly so it's just
0: it's hard when you don't necessarily have a choice about what is the priority right because even if you have your own prioritized list of things that goes out the window as soon as there's some kind of immediate kid thing that needs to be taken care of yes And that's the same for, I think, both moms and dads.
1: Yes, I do find I have trouble, like, if one of the kids falls down or they're fighting, there's crying, things like that. It, like, slips from my mind. Holy crap, what was I Mm -hmm. in the middle of doing? And then I find myself on the couch watching TV with them or scrolling through my phone. And then it dawns on me, I gotta go finish the dishes. Like, so, oh, yeah,
0: where I got, like, three dishes into it and then had to go deal with the latest like crisis. The
1: dish, like, the, the last time we recorded, I came upstairs. I remember coming home and going upstairs, and I was like, um, the dishwasher is still open. Like, the drawers were out and everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, do I need to go downstairs and start it? He's like, oh, crap, I'll do that. Sorry. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, moms or dads.
0: Um, Number two, and this kind of... Maybe you made me think of this when you were just describing that just now, is you're tired and or sleep deprived.
1: Ding, ding, ding.
0: Which means your cognitive functions are not at the peak of performance. So even if you're attempting to try to make a good plan and go methodically through something, your brain is not doing you any favors. It's hard to focus. It's hard to make decisions as quickly or as logically. Yeah. You get impatient more quickly and burned out more quickly. Yes. Yeah. As I yawn. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Cut and point. Sorry. See, it's contagious. Sorry. It is contagious. Uh, Number three, you don't have a system for maximizing your
1: efficiency. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is very much. I'm. I'm a lean manufacturing coach for my career. So I've seen over and over again where I'm too busy to find time to improve or make time kind of excuse from people where it's tricky because you s- often have to invest some time now Yes. in order to save time later yeah and, like, sit down and figure out now like what is the best way to use time you know can I be running the um washing machine while I do these other specific chores or can you start finding ways to make the system work the best way possible but a lot of times we just find ourselves... Trying to keep our head above water that we don't have time to figure out, huh, what's the best, most efficient stroke to get me out of this high water kind of thing?
1: Yeah. Number four,
0: and this is one that really overlaps both with motherhood and with careers, you haven't set any goals. So I always think of it as it's hard to get anywhere if you don't have a clear destination in mind. Are you just trying to accomplish whatever you happen to stumble across in your house? Or are you... Do you have a set idea of, okay, today I want to empty the dishes, go to the bank, and take the kids to the doctor? Yes. Yeah, so try setting specific goals of, this is what I want to accomplish, and I believe that this is doable in the amount of time that I have.
1: I have yet to get there, but yeah, it's very similar to some of my research I found.
0: Uh, sort of similar. Number five, you haven't set the right goals. So your goals might be too vague, too ambitious, not ambitious enough, not well thought out. Or they prioritize what others need instead of what you need
1: I fall somewhere Boom. into they're too ambitious slash I just want to make other people happy, yeah, or get other people off my back mm-hmm so it's nothing that I want
0: my uh my parents are coming over to spend the day tomorrow and spend some time with Riley and their whole purpose in coming over is not only to spend time with their grandson, but they want to give me a chance to do some stuff that I need to do, whether mm-hmm. that's you know some some R and R or some stuff around the house. And so their whole point is to come here and be helpful to me. But I'm all I've spent all of today running around being like, all right, one of the things I need to go ahead and clean now, so that I'm not like an anxious wreck when they walk through the door and see like those parts of the house and. The hot mess that they're always in. I'm like, Sarah, this is counterproductive. They're coming here specifically to try to take stress off of you, not put more on you. Uh, Number six, you don't have a deadline. So this falls very much into the category that I have trouble with, which is, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. And then eventually you get so used to looking at it that it just blurs to the background and you don't notice the mess until, oh, crap, someone else is going to be looking at that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not trying to put my husband down, but he has those similar things. And Uh I noticed that when I if I were to give him a list of something and I'm like, this is what I need to have done by next weekend, it'll mm-hmm. get done. But if I just kind of give him like, here's a list of things around the house that need to be done. He's just like, okay, like you said, I'll get to it when I get to it. Mm-hmm. I find if I'm like, I must have this done by this day. He's like, okay. And it gets done.
0: See, and I try to do that. And Matt, Matt himself will admit that he's not great at this, but like, for instance, tonight when he got home, I'm like, there's only one thing I need you to absolutely do tonight. You know, there's your basket of laundry. It's already folded and organized. I just need you to go put it away. I'd be willing to bet probably 50 bucks that it's not going to get done tonight. And it's not him blowing me off. It's just two minutes after the conversation. I know it slept his brain already. Yeah. As well intentioned as he is. Yeah. Number seven, you're trying to do everything. Oh, ding, ding, ding. And this is... Probably a quote that other people have heard, but I'd never read it until today, which is trying to do everything will lead to the accomplishment of nothing.
1: No, I have not. I've heard something similar to that, but nothing quite that blunt. That describes my life perfectly.
0: So I'll have 50 projects in process but zero
1: that are actually done. We've talked about this, about how we always have all these great ideas or Mm -hmm. we're like halfway into something and then we never finish
0: it. And I think that is exactly the reason why my house is just in piles. Like this pile stuff over here, which I've got this put together and I'll do something with that. Oh crap, I gotta go deal with this. And then I never come back to that pile Mm -hmm. and deal with it. So it's just like little stacks of stuff all around my house.
1: And you know, my house is very similar to that too. Mm -hmm. So we have, I think that's why we click so well. Number eight.
0: This is another one that I think a lot of moms will relate to. You're trying to do everything yourself. Yeah. I'll just direct people back to our mental load and our chores episodes.
1: Yeah. Because this
0: has a lot to do with those things where it's sometimes hard to delegate either because you're afraid that other people won't do it as well or you don't trust that they'll do it in the time you need it done or Maybe you're in a horrible situation where literally everyone just expects you to do everything and they're just dicks like that. But if possible, try to find ways to make yourself not the end-all be-all for everything that needs to get done.
1: And I don't know if this would work for anybody else, but recently um, I do got back into that same argument with Mark and I went went on scarymommy.com and i found a different blog post where it was like i stopped telling my husband what to do and now stuff gets done and i was like hold on this is interesting um what she was saying is i she had a heart to heart with her husband and she's like i'm not going to tell you what to do anymore i'm not going to tell you to help me it's not to help me it's a grown man you're supposed to do your part all right sort of thing and and me just constantly telling you what I need you to do is belittling to you. It, like, disrespects me in front of our children kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I sent it to him, and I said, I want you to read this. It's from, you know, just from another female's perspective. This is how I feel. I don't want you to get defensive. I just want you to hear it from another female's voice. Right. So maybe you you won't feel like I'm attacking you. And like when I say I sent it to him, I mean, I sent it to him in a text. And he sent me a text back. And he's like, I will read it tonight. And I will talk to you tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, like two days later, we finally had a chance to talk about it. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I never thought of it like that. And Mm -hmm. I said, well. He's like, I do hate it when you're like, I need you to do this, and you need to do that. And he's like, I feel like you're my mom, and I'm like, I know, I don't want to feel like that. Yeah, either. I, feel like I don't
0: want to be your mom.
1: I don't want to be. I want you to come to me and be like, what do you need help with?
0: Yeah, and again. the... As much as it sounds like we are, I promise we're not husband bashing. This no. This is just... All couples, I think, will agree that these are things that you spend your entire marriage trying to figure out the right balance of. Like,
1: I don't want him to feel insulted. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't want me to feel disrespected. Like, that's what we talked about. Yeah. Like, and we don't... Yeah.
0: They don't want to be mothered, and we don't want to have to act like mothers.
1: Oh, because it, if... It, I know ladies are going to listen to this. It's it's a libido killer. It is. I don't want to have sex with him when I'm having to, like, bark at him. Mm-hmm.
0: Because just, it's sort of like the modern version of, this is my version of being, like, the damsel in distress is, I don't need you to, like, rescue me from some guy in a bar or from, you know, some imaginary dragon coming down the street. I want you to rescue me from clutter. <laughs> I want you to rescue me from tr- overflowing trash and nasty dishes. And when I come in and see that you've dealt with that stuff, I'm like, oh, my hero.
1: <laughs> I want I'm like, now nah, I'm so turned on. <laughs> I know. If I see him, like, sweeping, I'm just kind of part of me. It's just kind of like, mm. <laughs> You don't mm. know why I find that to be attractive. <laughs> but
0: I do. The princess and the sleeper boy. I want, uh, I, want, I, I
1: want you to save me from dust because in my house with animals and three kids, there's a lot of hair.
0: That's going to be a new line of erotic novels that I put out where the strapping men is just women just are coming home and finding men cleaning things. Like, oh my. <laughs> Number nine, you are focused on perfection. Oh,
1: yeah. So
0: this is something that A guy that I work with said a few years ago that's always stuck with me. Perfection is the enemy of good enough.
1: Yeah. I've heard something similar to that.
0: And to me, that's not, you know, that's not phoning it in. That's not, you know, being lazy. It's just don't kill yourself doing more than you need to do. Just figure out what level of whatever do you need to accomplish and then move on to the next thing. Yeah,
1: sometimes good enough is just good enough.
0: Exactly. Like, the kids need to be fed. They don't need a gourmet meal every night. They just need food that fills them up and does not kill them. (laughs) Check and check. And finally, number 10, a big blocker could be that you don't think of yourself as a productive person. Mm. Because sometimes just this is sort of like a weight loss thing mindset too, where you're like, well, I'm just not one of those people who can drop weight or I'm just not one of those people who like knows how to be productive and organized. The more you say it, the more it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy Mm -hmm. where just like anything else, productivity is all about a set of skills that you can learn and just maybe you haven't learned them yet in life. But I'm going to hand it over to Pamela because I think she has some skills that are going to help us with
1: this. I I do. um, What I decided to focus on is one how do you organize those daily thoughts or daily to do's or or whatnot to set the goals and Uh everything and then I also wanted to look have you ever I know everyone has but do you know some people that you're like how the heck do they get all that done oh yeah like every phase of
0: life there's at least one or two people where I'm just like how
1: they're super efficient they're super productive but yet they have like three they have like two or three kids they both. they're uh, the head and of every committee they're ever on every committee and, and when you see them you're like did you get five shots of espresso but they they're like they're just still going yeah and they're like i'm fine i'm doing great but they actually time to
0: do their hair and makeup in the morning i I'm know like, what
1: is that i do a little bit of makeup but that's about it Ooh, um, these days Mur. so i also looked up habits of highly productive people mm-hmm. so first off i found this really interesting blog post from the UK, UK, okay. mm-hmm, and it's from 2018. But I thought it was very interesting. So, like, how do you plan your day? And so she suggests plan your day through to-do lists. Mm-hmm. And I like to-do lists. Two things that stood out for me from this um, post was she was saying our biggest challenge is capturing everything you need to do and get it out of your head, and then having an actual list that you can work from. I, I
0: live that way entirely. I have a running to-do list by, like, date of when I need
1: to get things done. Right. Well, she has a different way of doing it. But just listen. So, she's suggesting begin with a brain dump and then go back through the list and rank or and or highlight items to emphasize what should be done And then in what order that should be completed on a particular day. Mm -hmm. So instead of like dating your list every day, you think of something new, go back through and put the days that it needs to be done by.
0: Right. That's what I do. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, I kind of do those,
1: those two steps simultaneously. See, and I do the opposite. It's like, this is a new day. This is more crap. Um, So start of the day, start the day with like a scrap piece of paper to do your initial brain dump, as she calls it on. Um, Everything you need to get done, big and small. And this will leave you with a long list. Um, Don't hyperventilate. Once you have your long list, you need to transition it to a daily planner. Whether if you don't have a planner, your phone, whatever you use Mm -hmm. to keep track of stuff. Um, She says she has split the to do list section um, into the must do's for the absolutes, like things she must get done that day. And then the leftover stuff um goes on from the long list is like on the other list the nice to do the nice to have list yes she does say do not go overboard with the must must do's even if they are fairly small items it doesn't need to be in your must do's list in order to get done today if you have the time if you list too many there you won't achieve them yeah because you'll get overwhelmed and you'll get demotivated. It goes, it goes back
0: to that whole setting realistic goals kind of thing. Yes.
1: You can use checks boxes. She basically on her blog site, she has her own little to do list template that she's come up with, but you can use check boxes to help you check things off or organize. Um, you can even rank those must dos and tick them off as you get them done. Mm hmm. And then she says, okay, now you're coming to the end of day. What do you do? So one of the problems people have with their to-do list is that they don't distinguish between an item that needs doing, which is actionable, and a higher level goal or outcome they're looking to achieve. Does she have an example? Well, one example she gave is uh, getting a mortgage is not being an actionable enough item to-do list. Um, but it would be more of a goal or outcome. Like yeah. you're looking to get like your mortgage refinanced or something. There's a whole
0: series of sub steps that go into that. right?
1: So pick out three key goals out of your list for the day or outcomes you want achieved by the end of the day. And this will help keep you focused. So like you want to refinance your mortgage or you need to check in, you're checking out new daycares or mm-hmm. something like that. Something like you said that has like some sub tasks to it and when you get all of that done you have that goal done
0: on top of my normal just like day-to-day checklist that I put on my phone Mm -hmm. I also for both pregnancies I had probably starting at week 20 a week by week to-do list like a giant to-do list that I put on excel and like each week there were certain things like By this week, I need to have a daycare picked out. By this week, I need to have all my thank you notes for my shower written and things like that. And I knew about them way in advance, so I could work on them before then. But it's like, okay, by this time, I need to do these things so that I'm not completely underwater.
1: You are a lean manufacturer coach to a team. And I'm... I try to be organized
0: externally because my brain is so scattered. So for me, writing it all down takes the pressure off me trying to remember all the things that I know I can't remember.
1: What I have is a notebook that stays in my purse. And it is a revolving master list. Uh And that includes to-do lists. It includes, like, numbers I need to remember. Sometimes I have my budget written out on it. It's just like my brain dump of a notebook. Right. Um, and I, when I run out of paper, I go get a new one.
0: That's what I used to do back in high school and gra- or college and grad school when I still used a paper planner.
1: All right. So then but you have to think about tomorrow or the few days later on in the week. Um, so you have items on your long list that will need to get done maybe tomorrow or later in the week. Store them in that section of your to-do list. So mark it down like these can be done later. Or these can be done tomorrow. And then she also suggests scheduling or even time blocking. Like I just said, I don't, I'm not good about taking my actual to-do list and like putting them on specific dates that I know I might have time to do it. Oh, girl, I can do that for you.
0: I just find that really enjoyable. It's like a big puzzle.
1: Well, she was saying you don't have to use like a a planner method. You can use it as like an like any kind of calendar and outlook or something like that, maybe Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. You can always section out time um, for you to focus on particular tasks or getting that goal done mm-hmm. that you need it done. So those are her suggestions. And as I said on her website, and i'll I'll post the link. She has an actual template of her to do list that she's come up with. I'm guessing it's free. If not, maybe you can look at it and then make it the way you want to make it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, going to 18 Habits of Highly Productive People. And the subtitle is, What Efficient People Have in Common? And is this meant for a working environment? This is just any sort of highly efficient people across the board yes okay cool because i have found people that they are efficient at work and at home Mm -hmm. and i like see them post stuff on the weekends where they're like refurnishing repurposing furniture and all this stuff and i'm like i can how barely get a toilet cleaned i don't understand I don't like it. That looks cute. I'm impressed. But unless everybody is out of my damn house, I can't get any of that stuff done. Mm -hmm. So how do they do that? So how do they get over procrastinating on tasks, getting over being bored with Mm -hmm. things that need to get done, uh, able to respond to emails and other messages while they're working on something else, Mm -hmm. staying motivated and energized through the work day, Mm -hmm. finishing and focusing on important projects on their plates. So, it does sound like it's geared towards work, but I think it can also be included in every day. Absolutely. So, first of all, focus on most important tasks first. And she refers to, and she, like, shortened it as an acronym as MITs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, spend the first few minutes of the day, again, like the previous person, one to three MITs or mm-hmm. goals for the day cultivate deep work, meaning everybody, I'm going to read this one little part. Everybody has a few daily to do's that could be almost knocked out while sleeping. These are tasks that you need podcasts to get through. Mm -hmm. They're hard to get yourself to do because they're not essentially interesting. At the same time, there are some tasks that are just difficult. You can't multitask your way to finishing them. You need to devote serious time and mental effort to knocking them out. So the deep work is that the skill of intense focus is increasingly rare and that those who can master it are at enormous advantage. So you need to be able to, like, have some work in there that's not mindless, that you're actually really delved into.
0: And I'll say, I feel like if you're a mom and you're at home trying to work on something and you have kids around, (laughs) those are the things that are really hard to do, at least in my experience, because multitasking, you can... You can do while you're keeping an eye on them or while you're talking mm-hmm. to them. But if it's something that you need intense focus on and you have to jump in and out of it, it's nearly impossible to yes. try to get it accomplished. No, you're
1: right. I mean, the other day I was feeding Brianna while helping Sabrina with her reading homework and trying to make sure Aurora wasn't, like, back flipping off the couch to the point where she was, like, going to hit her head on the ottoman. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, here, take a bite, baby. That word is whatever. That wasn't. Aurora, don't, don't die. Yeah, stop flipping. And then you can have keep a distraction list to stay focused. One powerful way of reducing distraction is creating a distraction distract- list. So this is wherever you want to keep list, electronic or paper. And whenever a distraction distracting thought pops up, write it down, and then get back to work.
0: So to me, that's, again, that's just stuff that I automatically have learned to do anyway. That's just, that's, to me, that's part of making the ongoing to-do list.
1: But I think it's also, like you were saying, like with kids, you're Mm -hmm. constantly interrupted. Yeah. So you can't always remember. Exactly. One thing is using the Eisenhower matrix. And I have used this before to identify long-term priorities. And so it's basically a two by two square. And one block you have important. The next block beside it, you have not important. The down left block, urgent. And then the final one, not urgent. Mm -hmm. And then you piece it together. What's important, but not urgent? Right. What's urgent, but not necessarily important? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Organizing your to-dos through an 80-20 rule. Are you spending most of your day doing things that are urgent, but not important? Mm -hmm. Look for ways to delegate, Automate or eliminate those. Yep. Are you spending time on things that aren't important or urgent? So ignore those things. Another way too is to protect as the eighty twenty rule, and this was discovered by Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto. Oh yeah, like
0: Pareto charts, like we use a Pareto. There you go. Like we use that uh, on our A threes and stuff. Yes.
1: States that in any pursuit, eighty percent of the results will come from twenty percent of the efforts to maximize your efficiency, highly productive people identify the most important 20% of their work. Then they work at ways to cut down the other 80% of their schedule to find more time for the things that make the biggest impact.
0: Break tasks into
1: smaller pieces.
0: I do that a lot for cleaning where it's like I don't have time to do the entire bathroom right now, but I'll break it down into Clean the mirror, clean the counter, clean the toilet, clean the floor. And if I can individually check those things off throughout the day or over a couple of days, I feel like I'm making progress.
1: Yeah. Take breaks. Yeah. Even productive people take breaks. Ideally, a break every 55 minutes is what you should do in order to keep your mind from sort of Mm -hmm. getting demotivated. Make fewer decisions about things that aren't important. I need, this is me. Because to me, everything that I want to try to get done is important to me because I feel like if I don't do it, Mm -hmm. I have dropped the ball and everyone is just going to be angry with me. Mm -hmm. And that's just my thing. I tend to take the things that are little and make them big. Right. Eliminate any inefficient communication. So, i.e. less email. Yes. Or if you've
0: sent it in an email, don't also text and call and just, Or in, you know, and then message.
1: immediately walk over to the desk and say, hey, did you get the email I sent? One, <sighs> one quick tip on this. Spend less time on email by putting more information in your emails, but down on the back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of those people that I don't put tons of fluff in my emails. I'm like, I need this from you or this is going to happen. Like I, I learned very quickly the cause and effect Mm -hmm. idea of this is what I need, and if it doesn't get done by this time, then this is what's going to happen for us. Right. And I found that when you give people the A, B equals C... They'll send it back to you. But if you're going into like, and you said this on this day, and you did this on this day, and I do this and this yeah.
0: and this this. If it's that complicated, I don't need to put it in an email. I need to go have a face-to-face conversation. Exactly.
1: I'm yeah. going to send you a meeting invite, and I'm going to say, can we talk?
0: Yeah. And if it's, and same thing, whether I'm on the sending or receiving end, if I get more than one or two back and forths with an email, I'm like, okay, clearly this is more complicated. Let's sit down and talk. Cause yeah. That gets, that drives me insane. It does drive me forward. nuts
1: find repeatable shortcuts. And this is where it's automated tasks. What do you do over and over again? Look for a tech that can automate those tasks.
0: This is a great example of taking that time to slow down now so you can be faster later. I spend a lot of time each week editing episodes.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: so I've learned certain shortcuts over time that have helped make it a little bit faster. Like Instead of having to go up to the menu, scroll down, and click on a particular command, I've learned how to hit Control-R, Control-whatever. And saving the that 10 seconds every time when I'm doing that command 70 times in a row, that yeah. adds up.
1: And then... Automated email sorting is great, too. Yes, create rules in your Outlook or Google mm-hmm. Mail. Delegate tasks to other employees or interns. Children. Yeah. Learn from successes as well as mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, make efficient processes more efficient. And I tell people this, I even tell my kids this. I'm like, yeah, so it didn't go as according to plan. So, what can we do differently next time? So, next thing, highly efficient people go ahead and plan for when things go wrong. Now, mm-hmm. I will do that. I am one, I, I joke with people like Murphy's Law. Mm-hmm. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong with me. So, I do think ahead. Number 13, work before you work before you get motivated or inspired. So sometimes motivation comes after productivity and not right. before. So, so go ahead and start working to get inspired.
0: I, I will say I have felt that because, you know, there's certain days where you start rocking and rolling or something. You're like, yeah, I'm on a roll. I'm going to keep doing just like you feel like you're really killing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
0: doesn't just happen by accident. You mm-hmm. have to get to kind of create your own inertia.
1: Yeah, you do. If you feel overwhelmed or find yourself procrastinating, this is based on a writer's um, perspective. Anne Lamont, she wrote in a book for aspiring writers saying, look through a one-inch picture frame. And the meaning behind it is start doing something, like break the task into smaller chunks, and you'll find it easier to keep going. Like, the one-inch picture frame is to help give you the focus. Mm Don't multitask Mm -hmm. is number 14. Um, Checking email or social media, that also counts as multitasking. Um, The research on multitasking is clear. People are bad at it. And I said people, all people. It's actually misnamed. When you try to multitask, you aren't actually doing two things at once. You are rapidly switching your focus between two things. Very true. Like I said, feed baby, correct your reading homework, Mm -hmm. make sure the other one's not breaking your neck. They're not the same thing. Every time you switch, you have to refocus on the new task because it takes a few minutes to get up to speed on that task. The switching makes multitasking extremely inefficient, Mm -hmm. which I can say that really well in my
0: life. Because unless it's something that can run purely by itself in the background, yeah, you're right. You're not going to be able to give the focus you need to any individual task.
1: And some simple ways of doing it, she offers, is closing the tab with your email or, or muting any text notifications. I, You know what I did at work? I stopped the little doo-doo, and I stopped the little email pop-up notification. Same. That was a game changer. The only thing I keep is the little envelope pops up, so I know there's new mail. All right. Number 15, fill the tank. Recharge. Yes. So, productive people, energy is important is as important as your time. It says sleep, exercise, eat well, take care of your healthy habits. Number 16, sharpen the axe, meaning time spent getting better at tasks saves time on those tasks in the future. Yes. Um, Number 17, manage your energy, not just your time. So time management is a huge part of productivity, but Uh, Many of the productivity habits on, on this current list will help you manage your time more efficiently, but it's also important not to overload your energy management. Right. If you are exhausted and can barely think, it doesn't matter how many hours are left in the day, you won't be able to use them productively.
0: Right. And I think that goes for both physical energy as well as mental energy.
1: Last... Number 18 and I think it's the most crucial. I'll get snap. get better at saying no. Yes. Even when it's uncomfortable, say no. Of course, everybody wants to say yes to anything. The reason it's so hard is because it means you're consciously setting things aside that you have the time to work on. That's like your most priorities and you don't really want to tell someone or a coworker that they're not a priority, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily that. It's just This is what I have to get done for me right now. Yeah. And your priority may not, it may not be there right now.
0: I'll tell you the thing I have the hardest time with. I feel like I've gotten better at having the prioritization conversation with people, but because my job is a little bit fluid in that there are a lot of gray areas that it covers, I more often have the hard time of trying to figure out how to have the conversation of, that's not my job. Oh, because even yes. if I'm correct in pointing out that it's not my job, it's I feel like no matter how politely you try to have that conversation, I always come off like a dick for some reason. Those are hard situations to say no to, but I'm trying to figure that out because it will make my life so much easier.
1: Yes. So there you go. These are the habits of highly productive people. And
0: just understand that as parents at home trying to get stuff done, It's always going to be a little bit of a shit show, but we will hopefully learn over time how to maximize those little pockets of time that we do have and just do the best we can. And don't don't hold yourself to too high of a standard because we're all human. So if you have any productivity tips that you would like to share, please email us at motherhoodontap at gmail.com. We would love to hear them. And until next time, I'm Sarah Duncan. And I'm
1: Pamela Walker-Dees. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music is by Yov Aliagon. Be sure to check out the Motherhood on Tap page on
0: Facebook. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts.
1: It really helps to get the word out about the show. You can subscribe and follow Motherhood on Tap on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other podcast apps.
0: If you have questions or funny stories, you can email us at motherhoodontap at
1: gmail.com partner with us on patreon.com for special bonus episodes and help keep this podcast and the two of us in business till next next time. time